And now, streaming live from Chicago, Illinois, it's the comedy show with a podcasting habit, Starlight Radio Dreams! Tonight's episode is Season 5, Episode 5, The Ides of Starch, featuring... Tammy Taters, Baking with Missy O'Danaher, Senate Hearing 33, Public Domain Adventure Team in Wonderland, New Age Astrology, and Meet the Frankensteins, Episode 1, Making Friends. Now, here is your host, a man whom John Barrymore once called a bit much, Burlington Showtime! Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Fox Opulence, for that wonderful introduction. Good evening, everyone. I'm Burlington Showtime, and we have an unbelievably jam-packed show for you tonight. In fact, it is so jam-packed that I can barely get a word in edgewise, but I'll still do my utmost to see that you get your daily recommended serving of Showtime. Speaking of jam-packed, do you recall how busy we all were this time last year? Think of all those fresh and innovative ways we found to invest in our home lives. While most people got into sourdough, my darling Sherlington began experimenting with jams. Grape, lemon, papaya, you name it, she jammed it. It wasn't long before those jams found their way into new dresses, old sport jackets, and previously valuable galoshes that may or may not have belonged to Basil Rathbone. How have your quests in the kitchen evolved over the last year? Would you describe any of your experiences as Frankensteinian in nature? I'd love to believe that the winter morning I stepped outside whilst throwing on my old heavy work jacket to shovel the sidewalk, only to discover that my jacket's 1950 fleur-de-lis toggle buttons had been replaced with sticky globules of jellied pickle jam, is a more or less universal experience. But enough about jams, we're here to talk about starches, and I am pleased as bread soup to share a new affiliate from the Showtime Podcasting Network, Talking About Taters with Tammy Taters, a phenomenal overnight success whose boundless expertise and inexhaustible enthusiasm have rendered the appreciation of domesticated nightshades in an entirely new light. Let's have a quick listen to the latest episode. Good morning, everyone. I'm Tammy Taters, and today we're talking about taters. My guest is Joseph Adelpast, owner and proprietor of Joe's Meat and Potatoes off I-95. Welcome, Joseph. Joe's fine. Is he, though? What? Nothing. So, I understand you've prepared a dish in anticipation of the U.S. National Tate Off taking place on National Potato Day. Is that right? More or less, yeah. Uh, now... You might not realize this, but National Potato Day is actually in August. <gasps> but that's so far away! It is, yeah. But this dish is actually being prepared for the state semifinals over in Lubbock. Oh, state semifinals! That still sounds very impressive. I think so, yeah. And do you think Joe's Meat and Potatoes has what it takes to make it to the finals? Oh, no question. I think this dish is going to get us through the state finals, through regionals, and all the way to the national Tate off on August 19, and then we're going to Tate the gold. <laughs> How delightful. It is, isn't it? Absolutely. Now, Joe's Meat and Potatoes stands across the street from Molly's Steak and Tates. Isn't that right? Uh, well... Molly Tuberson, owner and proprietor, has taken home the state gold 
seven out of the last ten years and even won the regional prize twice. Uh, yep, yep. Are you at all worried that Molly's steak and tates might pose a threat to your new business success? In the Tate-Off, I mean. Well, I think they went out of business. <gasps> oh, no! Yeah. That's terrible! Yeah, yep. Real shame. Whatever happened to Molly Tuberson? Well, I, um, I'd love to talk about my potato dish here. Of course you would. What? Of course we would, because here on Talkin' About Taters, we love to talk about taters. That's why they call me Tammy Taters. Yep. Tell us about your taters, Joe. Well, uh, this is called... Chuno, it's a traditional dish from the Andes Mountains. Oh, of course, Chuno, made by the ancient Incas and their contemporaries. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, what you do is flash freeze and quick thaw the potatoes over and over again. Which the Incas did by spreading potatoes outside to freeze on cold nights, only to be thawed by the morning sun. That's right. Wow, you really know your stuff. I know my taters, Joe. That's why they call me Tammy Taters. Right. So... The repeat freeze and thaw cycle would transform ancient Incan potatoes into soft, juicy blobs, which could then be squeezed by hand to release chuño, tiny, starchy globules that could be cooked into various stews. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the shelf life of this stuff is amazing. Chuño could be kept for years without refrigeration and was the principal staple of the Incan armies. That's right, yeah. I, I find the history of potatoes fascinating. As do I, Joe. As do I. Uh, you know, it was, it was actually Sir Francis Drake who introduced the potato to Europe. Ah, uh, yes. A fashion trend meant to popularize the potato in order to stymie starvation in the face of famine. Marie Antoinette herself was said to wear the potato flower in her hair. Yeah, I heard of that. And Louis XVI had one in his buttonhole. And all the nobility followed suit. You know, there used to be a statue of Francis Drake somewhere in South Germany. In Offenburg, yes. Offenburg? Yes. Built in 1853 by Alsatian artisan Andreas Friedrich, Sir Francis bears a potato flower in his left hand. Yeah, that's, that's right. Of course. In reality, Sir Francis Drake almost certainly was not responsible for the spread of the potato through Europe. That's just a common misconception aided by Friedrich's statue. Oh. And of course, a more broad-viewed person might think that credit more rightly belongs to the Andean people who domesticated the potato in the first place. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, obviously. And some might even suggest that celebrating Sir Francis and his illusory contributions occludes the atrocities he and his peers committed against the nations of what we now call the Americas. Oh, well... Yeah, definitely. Much like your entry in the state Tadoff is meant to occlude the atrocities you committed against Molly's Steak and Tates. Just off I-95. Atro- what? 
Whoa! Isn't it true that you tried to buy Molly's steak and tates from Molly Tuberson last year? So? Isn't it true that when she refused to sell, you opened Joe's meat and potatoes directly across the street from her on the fancier and more expensive side of the I-95 off-ramp? So what if I did? That's the free market. And when Molly's steak and tates continued to outsell you despite your superior budget. Was it the free market that broke into her back freezer and drowned her in the potato broth? Whoa, that's just a rumor. No, no comment. No comment. I was there, Joe. That's my comment! Oh my god, it's the ghost of Molly Tuberson. It's Tammy Taters now, Joe! And my eyes see all! Not the potato peelers! Not the potato peelers! My instrument, rise up my vengeful furies and tear his soul down to hell. They're throwing everything but the kitchen sink. Oh, there it is! Help! Squeeze him, my furies! Squeeze the tunio from his veins! Gape, earth, and swallow him, steaming to bake eternally in the damned ovens of righteous nemesis! may blossom from the poisonous wild tube or that dust crawl upon the earth. Well, friends, that's all the time we have for today. Join me next week when my guest will be Samantha Starchy, who invented a brand new crinkling technique for your home fries all by herself. Or so she claims. Well, that was certainly fresh and unexpected. While I explore the legal ramifications of having that on our network, let's turn our focus to something that's usually good for distracting the audience. The news! You may wonder why I'm here in the Colosseum at Rome. Well, I'm not going to explain it until later. Let's all, with all the focus we currently have on the personal, on our individual struggles to make it through these unprecedented times, we here at Starlight sometimes overlook the larger picture taking place outside our homes. So we'd like to offer you this up-to-the-minute coverage of contemporary events. This is Senate Hearing 33. Greetings, fellow Romans. I'm Gregarious Pompus. And I'm Vestigial Arm. And you're listening to Senate Hearing 33, where we tell you all sides of the issues, so you can fairly and objectively arrive at your own conclusions. And have we got a doozy for you today? We have indeed. The rumours have been confirmed. The head consul will not be attending today's hearing. That's right, Gregarious. Hearsay and conjecture have flown about all night, alleging that Julius Caesar, a man claiming to know no fear, will be staying home today, caving to popular pressure from those suggesting that the Ides of March might pose a danger to his campaign or even his life. We go now live to the Senate floor, where our correspondent, Obsequious Toad, is speaking with one of the senators. Obsequious? Thanks, Gregarious. I'm here with Servilius Casca, Republican senator from Samnium. Senator Casca, what does Mr. Caesar's absence today mean for the future of the Republic? And do you think Mr. Caesar's cowardice, as you call it, will weaken his campaign? 
Speaking of, do you lend any credence to the theories that Mr. Caesar is moving to establish a dictatorship, a totally unprecedented and never-before-seen maneuver that would centralize power in a way that disenfranchises the common Roman, as opposed to our current ideal system of fair and democratic representative government? <laughs> Very incisive, Senator Casca. Thank you for your time. Gregarious? There you have it. Caesar's absence heralds the end of his campaign and the end of his career. Should we seek out another senator's opinion? No, I don't think so. Moving on. Vestigial, sorry to interrupt. I've just received word that Mr. Caesar has entered the building. You heard it here first, folks. The head consul has caved to popular pressure and is making his way to the Senate floor as we speak. Will he address the rumours of his illness? Will he speak of the recent violent storms plaguing his domestic programmes? And, most excitingly, how will he respond to the public backlash against the banishment of Publius Simba? We now go live to our plebe on the street correspondence, Poe Bodies Nerfect, to test the pulse of the Commonwealth. Poe Bodies! Thank you, Vestigial. I'm here with Tom Johnson, an industrial farmer. What's your view on Master Caesar's sudden arrival at the Senate floor? What I want to know is, how comes Julius Caesar and Marcus Brutus and all them Latium elitists want to feed our babies to the volcano at Pompeii? Caesar said he conquered Pompeii, but it's still there. We can see it. And now the imperialists want to feed our babies to it? I think you might be referring to Caesar's recent military victory against Pompey. All I know is we gotta stop all these baby killers before they destroy the livelihood of the small businessmen. And how many people do you employ at your small industrial farm? I gotta go. Of course. Ma'am, ma'am, how do you feel about known baby killer Julius Caesar's flight and sudden return to the Senate floor? What? Caesar? I mean, I like all the circuses and stuff, I guess. And you don't mind the tax increases that paid for them? Well, tax increases didn't pay for them. Expanded conquest did. Well... I mean, that's my worry. It's all good now, with all the extra wealth flowing in, but most of that wealth is going to go to the Senate and Caesar's friends, and all this foreign conquest is just going to turn these nations against us. Um... Rome used to be about bringing people in, you know? All this denial of Gaulish rights is going to have serious repercussions in the long run, I think. And, you know, yeah, I like the circuses, but I, I don't like that they're coming from foreign conquest. Like, don't the senators and the patricians have enough money to fund this stuff themselves? Sorry to interrupt your weird and obviously wrong opinion, but we now return you to the Senate floor where Caius Cassius, one of Mr. Caesar's loudest opponents, has just knelt before him, pleading for the return of banished Publius Simba. Truly a touching display of bipartisanship. And how is Caesar responding? Let's listen in. <laughs> It appears Senator Caesar is caving to popular pressure and refusing to negotiate with Senator Cassius' touching display of bipartisanship. Cassius' beautiful show of unity is now being joined by other senators. You know, some of the rabble like to say that our show has lost touch with the issues that drive this fine, immortal empire, that we are allowing the drama of hyper-individualism to cloud systemic problems that affect the common folk. And 
these people are, of course, entitled to their opinions. Their weird and obviously wrong opinions. Of course, but when we look at displays like this, we can see at the end of the day our rulers are just people like us, capable of the same failures and victories. Did you? And that if we simply leave them to grow, to learn from their mistakes, then in the end, no matter how differing their philosophies, they will always come together for the good of all. Vestigial! What? What is so important? Oh my god, they're stabbing him so many times! Right? Like, why? Surely twice is enough! But they're still going! Who would have ever thought that the governance of the Roman Empire could be subjected to violence? We are... we are... we are... We now go live to our Senate correspondent, Obsequious Toad, for an update. Obsequious? They're still stabbing him! Why? I don't know! This isn't rational or bipartisan at all! It's completely outside my frame of reference! This is coming from nowhere! It has no precedent and no precipitating incidents! Oh my god, they're bathing in his blood! What? They have bathed their arms up to the elbows in Caesar's blood and are now marching around the room screaming about liberty! Get out of there, obsequious! Get out of there! They've barred the door shut! Tell my wife I've always had mixed feelings about her. Oh my god, he's dead. Everything I know is a lie. Representative government is an obvious facade meant to facilitate the inhuman piracy of the wealthy. Wait, what are you doing? Get get away from me. No. Good morning, fellow Romans. I'm Obvious Facade, sitting in for Gregarious Pompous. For those of you just joining us, Julius Caesar, head consul and military commander, has died at age 55, killed by radical far-left extremists. What? Yes, the Senate is fighting to regain order. They're the ones that did it! It looks as though Mark Antony, statesman and longtime political ally of Senator Caesar, has come to speak with Senator Caius Cassius. We now go live to our Senate floor correspondent, Obsequious Toad, with an update. Obsequious? The... uh, the... uh, the... the... uh... Just a minute, Obsequious. It sounds like Senator Cassius is making a speech. Let's listen in. (laughs) Ah, moving. In another beautiful show of bipartisanship, Caius Cassius is calling for unity in these unprecedented times. How is Mark Antony taking the news, Obsequious? He, um... He, uh... He said yes. He said yes. There you have it, folks. Cassius and Antony have agreed to reach across the aisle and work together, thus resolving this minor hiccup in the democratic process. The system works. Even when stretched to its limits, we can always count on representative government to fix itself, fix its people, and ultimately heal our nation. Vestigial. Is there a problem, Vestigial? No, no, there are no problems. Um... Uh, is the lead in your aqueduct affecting your health? One deranged activist says yes. Catch our next episode for an exciting expose on one malcontent's mission to ruin aqueducts for the Roman people. Pax Romana.
See, it made sense in the end, didn't it? Ha ha ha! Well, between Tammy Taters and that Senate hearing, I could use a bit of comfort food. Why don't we check in with Missy O'Danaher, the now and future queen of culinary concision, who's been opening hearts and expanding minds, or was it opening minds and expanding arteries? Either way, <clears throat> with her own beatific baking excellence since we went into lockdown, what dish will you grace us with today, Missy? Hello, Starlight listeners. Missy O'Danaher here. I think I'm here. Time and space seem a little tipsy-turvy right now. I'm a little hungover from the pandiversary. No, I wasn't drinking. It's just the year. You know, I was going to give you another quarantine pep talk, but I got a little sidetracked with baking and then with just cans of Pillsbury dough. I was eating it raw. Maybe that's where the hangover came from. Anyway, you know what? I can sing for you all. Yes, I'll, I'll sing you a lullaby. A lullaby full of truth. It'll help you sleep. Are you sleepy? I am. Sleepy pants, sleepy pants. Wish I could take them off, but they're so warm and soft. It's like a great about them, the elastic waistband. They grow with me. I swear I didn't put them on. I just woke up like this. They found me. They are so Oh, I hope you all have good, comfy peace. 
hope your rest is restorative, friends. Stay strong and know that sometimes the strong thing is to admit things are not okay. We'll see you next month. Missy O'Danaher, back to the couch. Well, I suppose we could call that one of Missy's slow jams. Perhaps I'd better reach out to Missy while you all listen to this next piece. Speaking of nostalgia, nailed it. It's high time we checked in with some old friends. Friends so established that we can all enjoy them. And by that, I mean friends who are in the public domain. Having thoroughly learned a valuable lesson about the dangers of time travel, where will we now find Jane Eyre and her coterie of courageous colleagues? Let's find out in a new episode of Public Domain Adventure Team. That's right, friends, it's time for another thrilling tale of dazzle, sparkle, and amazement with the Public Domain Adventure Team. Let's join Jane Eyre, Beowulf, Mr. Toad, and the Ghost of Christmas Past as they set foot on charming, rolling countryside. I say, Toad, where have you brought us? What a beautiful place! Beautiful red rose bushes! Why? Do I see settings for a large tea party? Yes, Jane, dear, all your favorite things. Tea, crumpets, bread and butter. Small spoons for jams. Oh, treacle, how very lovely. I enjoy the crumpets also, Lady Jane, with melty butters in the crackies. Yes, Master Beowulf. Oh, it all looks so very proper and British. You were really doubtful when you gave Toad permission to choose our next destination, Jane. So I was, Ghost of Christmas Past. Maybe you should say you're sorry. Perhaps I should, Ghost. You do keep growing as the little conscience of our team. Mr. Toad, my misgivings about allowing you to lead for a day were mistaken. I formally apologize. Don't even think of it, my dear. And after I've consumed my body weight in hookah smoke, brandy, gin, and mushrooms, do show me the same grace, won't you? Oh, I did not see any hookahs. Just what sort of tea party is it, Toad? Who are our hosts? Is celebration for victory of warriors, Toad of Toad Hall? Will there be mead and roasted meats also? One might call this a celebration of conquest, but was a far more pleasant battle, don't you know? It's a wedding! Ooh, I love weddings! I love romance! They're almost as joyful as Christmas! Toad! Do promise me we've been invited. We are not crashing this beautiful soiree. Jane, dear, what do you take me for? The groom is a great old chum of mine, a rabbit. He used to rollick through the old forest with me, Moly, and Ratty before he was hired on as the Queen's Herald. The Queen? No wonder the feast is so elegant. Will a queen be attending this wedding? I'm not properly dressed. Ooh, look at all the wedding guests. There are flamingos. Guinea pigs. Dormice. Oh, some of them are carrying a friend. Bartender, keep him coming. I guess he pre-games. Indeed. Pre-gaming is a constant in Wonderland. Wow! Walking playing cards! They're all hearts! 
Is that because it's a wedding? No, ghost. Hearts are the symbol and crest of the queen here. Oh, is she the most romantic ever? You know, as I recall, she's a bit harsh, but most of my time here has been spent high as a kite, so we'll have to ask my old chum. Walking playing cards are speaking. Let me sit on the aisle four. You forgot to shine your shoes. You can't let her see your shoes. You always get the aisle seat too. If you keep arguing, you're going to get kicked out of the wedding. Four's gonna get us beheaded. Who threatens you, small flat-talking walkers? Beowulf of the Yats will be your champion. I ah! All the cards went flat on the ground. I think they're scared of you, Beowulf. Beowulf, Beowulf, old chap, do stand down, won't you, old boy? Uh, uh, we'll have the best party of all if we can avoid the killing things for just a day. What do you say there? I can't believe it! Jane apologized to Toad, and Toad is trying to keep Beowulf from fighting. I can't believe it either. Makes one wonder just how many impossible things might happen before breakfast in Wonderland. Look, there he is now. See that white rabbit with the pocket watch and gloves looking panicked? Say, Harold. God, Toad! Toad! Oh, you made it. Oh, are you, dear chap? Jane, Beowulf, Ghost, this impeccably dressed rabbit is Harold. Harold, old boy. Well met and congratulations, man. Uh, uh, thanks. Yeah, th thank you for coming. Wouldn't miss it for the world, old chap. And you're early. Thank you for not being late. I worry about punctuality so much, but here you are, and that fills me with such peace. It is like a foreign object in my body, which of course fills me with anxiety, which I am far more accustomed to. The familiarity fills me with peace, which, oddly enough, it... It begins the process once again. And uh, when will I meet your beloved? Oh, Toad, I haven't seen him yet today. I'm awfully worried he'll be late. Maybe he doesn't want you to see him till he walks down the aisle. Of course. Grand entrance, eh? Right? Right. That's gotta be it. He's just the best. He understands me. He accepts me. Panic attacks and all. I mean, he's got his own anxieties, but he totally gets me in. He is so soft and cuddly. Oh. Aww, that's so cute. I love love stories. He's not from Wonderland, though. I'm leaving my post with the Queen of Hearts to go live with him. The wedding is my formal goodbye to everyone in Wonderland. What a beautiful story, Harold. How very brave of you to leave it all for him. Oh, he's the one liberating me. I really need today to go well. The Queen has really exacting standards. Ooh, what is the Queen's wedding present to you? Jewels? A title? She promised to suspend beheadings and torture for the day. That's good, I guess. The Queen will expect things to begin as soon as she arrives. Oh, where is my beloved? Of course, wedding jitters are perfectly natural, Harold, and thanks ever so much for having us. Many congratulations indeed. I'm so sorry to add to any last-minute stresses, but I fear I was not given proper notice and am not properly attired. Wow! A caterpillar with a long pipe just appeared out of nowhere! Why, it's Catty Pilly! What's the vapor flavor today, Catty? You need a tire? Why, yes, indeed. Are you a tailor of sorts? So many arms. I will find you a tire. Thanks ever so much. Ow! Jane just got clobbered with a round piece of rubber. A tire? 
Really? Monster of many arms have attacked Lady Jane. No, 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 Beowulf. Don't spoil the party now. Jane's fine. Just a motor car tire in the chest. Catty Pilly was just having a laugh. He's always extra droll when sucking on that sweet shisha. Keep your temper. <sighs> I helps you up, Lady Jane. Thank you, Master Beowulf. As for our new friends, is this a typical way to welcome newcomers in Wonderland? Yes. Definitely. Indeed. I revoke my earlier enthusiasm. Master Beowulf, go and fetch me some crumpets from the buffet table. Yeah, please, snack away. We're already late. People should nosh. Yes, Lady Jane. Ghost, do keep an eye on Beowulf, won't you? Okay. See you in a bit. Who are you? What now? Catty, we had so many sessions together, so many hours of smoky delight off our asses. Oh no, everybody's waiting around. This is a disaster. Haven't you a master of ceremonies that can smooth things over? The March Hare is taking my place as Harold. He should be somewhere. Harold, you've simply got to let the day play out and enjoy. A catty old chap. Let's take Harold into the shed and give him a few hookah puffs, shall we? Uh, help him calm his nerves before he ties the knot, don't you know? Okay. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Jane, dear, you mingle whilst I act as the best man. I've got to make sure the groom is on something. Come, Harold, Catty. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. What's my name? Right then. I will simply stand around, alone, in my painfully plain shift at a wedding which a queen may attend. Delightful. How perfectly grand. Welcome, welcome, all guests. I'm the March Hare, your maestro of ceremonies. And now all rise for the entrance of the Queen of Hearts. <laughs> oh no, I cannot be seen like this. That's it, I'm going to hide. Darting under this tablecloth. Peasants and aristocrats, flamingos and cards, baby pigs and guinea pigs, I hereby bless this wedding with my presence. Meanwhile, underneath the table, Jane finds she is not alone. Goodness, a lion! Oh, no! I beg your pardon? Please leave me alone! Are you afraid of me? I'm afraid of everything! Why are you hiding, King of Beasts? Because this place is terrifying! Are you not of Wonderland? No, I'm from Oz! What brings you here? I'm supposed to be getting married! Oh! You're the White Rabbit's beloved? Yes. And you're hiding under the table? Yes. Oh dear, cold feet. My fur keeps them pretty warm. Not that. Do you not want to get married? No, yes. Well, I do love Harold. He's the sweetest, most comforting, thoughtful partner. And, oh God, his fashion sense. Yes, I did notice the most elegantly folded pocket square on him. Oh, yes. I'm just so dreamy about him. I do love him. I do, I do, I do. But those crowds being up in front of people, it's the worst. I can't. I just can't. Well, meanwhile, he is terrified that you're not showing up. You're hurting him. Come now, this is no way to behave. Pull yourself together at once. Meanwhile, in front of the wedding guests, the queen continues her speech. Wonderland today, Wonderland tomorrow, Wonderland yesterday, and the day after next. Why aren't they applauding? 
Uh, they want to ensure they do not interrupt you, your majesty. They're peasants. They have one job. How can they not know when to applaud? Uh, applaud now, everyone. Mm. All right, on with it. Where are the grooms? Uh, there seems to be a bit of a delay. How dare they? Off with his head! Wait, wait, your majesty, remember? You promised! <gasps> right. Hats! Off with your hats! To me, I'm the queen! Awesome. Take off your hats, everyone. Meanwhile, please help yourselves to the buffet table and keep eating and drinking, even though the ceremony still has yet to take place. Enjoy yourselves while the moratorium on beheadings is in place, for tomorrow you may die. Meanwhile, at the buffet table, Ghost of Christmas Past and Beowulf search for crumpets when a giant creature scoops up some savory appetizers into a dish. I love bacon-wrapped dates. Uh-oh. <gasps> Monster! How very rude! I am a jabberwock, sir. I see you have eyes of fire, jaws that bite, and claws that catch. But he's also wearing a yellow-striped bow tie and cummerbund. He's here to attend the wedding. I see you carry a vorpal blade to a wedding. That's very impolite. Mm, I see you tremble at the sight of my sword hunting. Beowulf, remember what Toad said? Uh, I call you monster because it's rude to take so many appetizers. Of course, in honor of this wedding, I will overlook your various faux pas. As we are at gracious social event, you are very lucky, monster. Truly you are the fortunate one, as I should not slaughter limb from limb a wedding guest. But were we to meet outside it? Yes, if Beowulf encountered monster outside this wedding. There would be no reason to keep up niceties. No. No nices, only swords. There would be bloodshed indeed. It's very good thing then we're here. So very good. Okay, so nice to meet you, Mr. Jabberwocky. Maybe you could tell us more about local cuisine, like these mushrooms or these little bottles that say drink me. <laughs> Attention, attention everyone! We have an announcement from the groom, Harold the White Rabbit. My beloved never showed up. I've been stood up. Now, now, my boy, he may have just been held up in traffic. Go home, everyone! The wedding is off! <gasps> Marriage is a construct. Unacceptable! I expected a wedding. I even promised not to sentence anyone to beheading for the entire day. The wedding is off? Well then, executions are back on! <laughs> Why? Did you hear that? It's great news, I think. The wedding is off. No more need for decorum. Beowulf! Mr. Jabberwocky! Wait! Stop that! Stop that is once! Beowulf! You in the yellow cummerbund, cease and desist! Huh? The other groom is right here. Show yourself, you cowardly lion! Oh no, she used my full name just like my mom did when I got caught skipping gym class. Come on, 
What do you have to say for yourself? Oh, my ear. Ow, ow, ow. Tell Harold. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Harold. Oh, lion. What else? The truth now, lion. I love you, Harold. Much hair? What nonsense is this? <sighs> Par for the course around here, really. How dare you? We don't use golf terms in Wonderland. We talk croquet. Off with the March Hare's head. Oh, boy. Also, no one leaves my herald at the altar. Hey, I'm the herald. He's my herald. Off with the lion's head. No, don't hurt him. No one contradicts me. Off with your head. It's a wonder you have any citizens left. Who are you? Off with his head. Silly queen. I'm already dead. Jane, dear, I'm a bit concerned. I have an idea, Mr. Toad. Master Beowulf! Oh, please let me fight Lady Jane. I shall indeed, but not the one with the cummerbund. But Lady Jane, Jabberwocky is monster. The true monster is the dictator who executes anyone who contradicts her. Off with her head, Beowulf! <sighs> <sighs> She is so dead. Cleanly done, Master Beowulf. People of Wonderland, you are liberated! Ding dong the wit. Oh, is that not a thing everybody does? Oh, I regret everything. Everything, Lion? Well, not you. I'll never regret loving you. But this was all my fault. Well, it takes a lot of courage to admit that, Lion. I forgive you, Lion. Ooh. I love you. Really? Do you still want to come back to Oz with me? Well, now that the Queen is dead, maybe we could think about staying in Wonderland. The Queen of Hearts is dead! The Queen is dead! Long live the Queen! Such a pretty corpse. <laughs> no one is threatening our job security? Or our safety? No mercurial authority figure to please? We need a new Queen! Surely the White Queen will reign supreme. What if you chose your leaders instead of just going with who was born into it? What about that blonde girl who is so good at croquet? Should we crown her the princess? No, 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 don't reinstate the authoritarian... Oh, bother. Scratch that, lion. Let's get out of here. Oh, Harold, everyone will love you in Oz. <laughs> well, that's all splendid, then. Shouldn't we try and convince the citizens of Wonderland to cease following a monarchy? I'm gonna say no. I suppose superhero teams have no business governing. Mm. Or engaging in unilateral regime change. Right then. Uh, just one more dash to the table to pocket a few more mushrooms. Backing away slowly, then full speed dash. We meet over swords and crumpets later, Jabberwock. Public Domain Adventure Team away! Tune in next time for another thrilling tale of Daring Do. What literary realm will our heroes invade next time? Only the legal department knows for sure. Adventure ho! Well, it's certainly wonderful to hear that our non-copywritten friends are continuing to thrive, and it makes my library setting all the more sensical. The mere thought of Mr. Toad and his mushrooms, which I am obliged to imply are portobellos, gives me the courage I need to face the challenges of tomorrow. For those of you who are concerned about Missy O'Danaher, you'll be happy to hear that she has completed a labyrinth out of Teddy Grahams and Nutella and is currently relaxing by watching something called The Feelings Bears as she re-itemizes her tax returns from the past decade. She's got such a knack for it. She's going to pitch it as a series for HGTV called Open Concept Deductions. I suppose self-care takes many different forms. We spend a lot of our times these days giving and seeking out advice, especially online. 
What advice would you like to give to me and to each other? Listeners, uh, please put your advice in the chat and let's check in on a time-honored tradition in the meantime of consultation and advice from something much larger than ourselves, the gravitational pull of the stars. Spring has sprung, and it's time for new beginnings, and it may well be the best lessons we can take lie not in the past, but in those very stars. Let's test that theory with another quick installment of New Age Astrology. Wake up, sheeple! It's time for New Age Astrology! This ain't your grandma's astrology! It's March 26th, and that means it's time for the most famous of all astrological signs! Yes, Matilda, there is a Santa Claus! This marks the beginning of the astrological year! But do you recall? It's time for fresh starts, new relationships, to get out there and just do it! The most famous constellation of all! That's right, gang. It's our number one constellation, Slightly Curved Line. Slightly Curved Line! Slightly Curved Line is a cardinal fire sign. Go Cardinals! They're known for their passions and intellects, but especially for their short tempers. Most likely because they're pissed off about their constellation being just a slightly curved line. Slightly Curved Line! The brightest star in Slightly Curved Line is Hamal, the 50th brightest star in the night sky. Hamal? Kinda sounds like Hamel! Remember Star Wars? <laughs> Slightly curved lines are real go-getters and true believers in the Force. Midichlorian! We'll be back with tips on what slightly curved line means for your health and happiness after a quick message from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Tim Tagley and I'm here to help you keep your star safe from starjackers. Do you own a star? Have you bought a star for your spouse, child, or loved one? Starjackings are up 500% this year according to this graph my uncle made. If you're worried about keeping your star safe, then it's time for you to buy Starbelt. For the low, low price of $8.95.79.36, I, Tim Tagley, will launch one of my patented star belts into space straight towards your star. The star belt fits snugly into place around your star, locking in orbit and making it impossible for criminals to dislodge. Star belts are made from 100% artificial cow leather because I love the cows. Yank it, bite it, call it names. Star belts never tear or break or cry until you have to tell them you were just joking. And for a limited time only, Starbelt alarms are on sale for 738-26-74. Anytime a criminal tries to steal your star, these pre-programmed phrases will make them think twice. I'm watching you. Scare them away. I've got a gun. Or make them reconsider their criminal lives. Dave, please take me back. I can change. It's time to protect the star you love. Just call 1-900-773-6822-17623 today. Welcome back to New Age Astrology! This ain't that creepy neighbor who tries to peep through your windows, Astrology! So what does Slightly Curved Line have to say about your well-being? Slightly Curved Line is the sign of innovation, physical fitness, and unlimited cosmic power. So we predict that March and April will be months of gradually improving health, especially for teachers, childcare specialists, and the phenomenally wealthy. But hold up, chicken butt. What's that, donkey back? What does Slightly Curved Line have to say about our love lives? Slightly curved line is a sign of courage and passion, and some 
sometimes that means acting without thinking. So be sure to listen to your inner big V-shaped sign and temper that passion with caution. New connections may sound exciting and the temptation to reach out and touch someone can be overwhelming nowadays. But think carefully before shaking hands with any new hotties out there. And always keep your guard in place when meeting face to face. Wow, just like last month and the month before that. Get it together, planets. Go home, planets. You're drunk. Welp, we gotta get out there and shred some waves on our unicycles. But before we go, we want to offer one last salute to Slightly Curved Line. Slightly Curved Line! Slightly Curved Line, you are the wind beneath our wings. A phrase I've never heard before and I'm inventing right now. Gnarly! You're a constant source of inspiration, Slightly Curved Line. Preach! No matter if we're rollerblading in the mall or skateboarding in a noticeably homogenous suburb, you're always there to tell us to just do that thing we're doing. Just do that thing! So long, gang. Tune in next month for our expose on that most frivolous of astrological signs, Jumping Jack Man. Jump! Jump! Next time on New Age Astrology. This ain't that one Grubhub driver who said enjoy your meal to you and then you answered you too and felt super embarrassed before slowly realizing that rather than relating to the awkwardness of the shared experience, that even highly personal moments have been commodified to the point that even the most intimate times in your life are simultaneously cliche and alien to all others and that months of isolation have proven that you never really had any meaningful connections to other people anyway and your overwhelming need for physical contact means human life is ultimately no different than any other mammals and does it exonerate all your selfish consumerist behavior or only highlight the cruelty of your indifference to the suffering of others and oh shit I forgot to tip the Grubhub driver's astrology now that was inspiring I already feel moved to get out there and make new friends and by out there I do mean not literally out anywhere yet eventually I may have undercut my whole motivation there but I do still enjoy meeting new people in a sort of this sort of way. I've met many of you over the course of this lockdown. What about you? Have you met any new people? The biggest connection I've made was also virtual. Our new announcer, Fox Opulence, investment mogul and self-proclaimed enfant terrible of the Wall Street scene. Now, I must admit, I felt that enfant terrible was an odd term for a man in his 40s, but then I've always found the stock market to be confusing. I was also uh, confused uh, when a self-described billionaire applied to announce for our show, but Fox assured me several times that it was a perfectly legitimate and had nothing to do with creating domestic, domestic tax shelters, so my fears were quickly laid to rest. And that's what March has really been about for me, laying fears to rest, getting ready to get back out there eventually and meet the world on my own terms from six feet wearing masks. And I'm happy to say that we can find a similar story tonight with our final serial, Meet the Frankensteins, episode one, Making Friends. Theo and Shelley are just everyday corpses returned to a dark reflection of life through fringe science gone mad. They're not going to let that stop them from making a mark on the big city. They've got a lot to contribute to modern society, which means it really is time to meet the Frankensteins. So, Shelley, uh, once we're done moving in, I feel like we should probably go buy actual things to go in this apartment. It is a little 
empty. Aside from the smell of smoked meats from downstairs, we really don't have much to work with, do we? Oh, we have a little stuff from what was left of Dad's place and what we've picked up on the road. Still, being on the run for our entire unlives hasn't given us a lot in the way of knickknacks. Or chairs. A chair would be nice. Everything we own could fit in the bedroom closet. We've been using the kitchen counter for all of our table needs. A big springy bed would be awfully nice. I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> After the big slab in Dad's workshop, everything else has felt like a luxury. It's a priority for me. I bet we could buy all of this stuff online. And pay for shipping? Oh, why not just go to the store? Well, you know. Shelly, we're going to have to meet people and talk to them eventually. Eventually, that is what normal people do. We can't change who we are. Besides, maybe we'll make a new friend while we're- I don't think that's how it works, Theo. Why not? Remember what that man in the chicken suit told us? Have a clucking good day. <laughs> just when you need someone. They have a way of showing up. Then he was visited by a man in a wolf suit and there was a wild misunderstanding. That did undermine the point. But just imagine it, Shelly. Uh, we could have a friend who knows their way around the city. Someone who understands technology. Maybe even a romantic interest. Let's not get carried away. Maybe we can meet someone who likes the same things we like. Good stitching. Peace and quiet. Electricity. Long hugs. Barbecue? You're only saying that because you smell it coming from the place downstairs. Still. It does smell really good. I think our new friend will be short. Everyone is short to us. Short to everyone and very friendly. I suppose they'd have to be to be our first friend. Well, what about you? What do you think our first friend should be like? I don't know, Theo. Making people up was Dad's thing, and even he needed parts. Well, maybe we can do that too. I am not going to dig up bodies and assemble new people with them, Theo. That is not what normal people do. Not like that. I mean, we could make friends with living people. People who live near us. Is this about that ad with the single women who live nearby? <laughs> No, what I'm trying to say is, I met our neighbors in the hall. What? They were nice. Every time you go outside, you meet someone. How does this keep happening? Dad used to call it narrative convenience. How did it go? Well, I'll admit it was a rocky start. I was a little frustrated. So what I heard was, Hey, Frankenstein when it was really more of a... Hey, Frankenstein? What did you just call me? Mr. Frankenstein? We got one of your packages. Please, Mr. Frankenstein was my father. Well, Dr. Frankenstein. You probably haven't heard of him. He isn't famous. I'm Theo. Oh, well... Welcome to the building, is what she means to say. Right. Oh, thanks. I'm Ava. This is Aiden. Hi. And I'm Lily. You're the only people on this floor, right? Aside from you, now. Yes. <laughs> is it just you, Theo? No. Uh, there is also Shelly, my... Uh, we... Shelly? But you didn't hear me. You were taking your afternoon shower. That 
was hours ago, Theo. And I feel like I did a pretty good job using that time to come up with a natural segue into talking about it. But they didn't freak out immediately? They're less scared of us than we are of them. <laughs> anyway, so they're going to be dropping by to meet you. Okay, when? Any second now? Theo! <laughs> Turns out I work best under a deadline. Well, who could that be? I'll get it. Okay, Shelly, you knew this day was coming. There's nothing wrong with being who you are. Just like that man in the chicken suit told us. <laughs> Greetings, fellow residents of this building. So formal, Theo. I'd offer you my coat, but we only came 10 steps. <laughs> Hello, I'm Shelly. Wow, your hair is so cool. Nice smock, very cuckoo's nest core. I got the honor of carrying the welcome basket. Oh, thank you. Behold, six varieties of Lily's homemade barbecue sauce and the jello mold Aiden made. It's tradition. No one ever eats more than a quarter of it. That's part of the tradition. <laughs> There's a card too. Oh, okay. Shelly, look, the cat is winking. That's adorable. Two minutes in Photoshop. What does it say inside? Hunchback 1818? It's the password for the Wi-Fi from the restaurant downstairs. The one our landlord runs. Hunchback Harry's Backfat Cafe. Yeah, he's got a bunch of bandwidth and he only uses it for the electronic menu. So, really, we're helping him get his money's worth. Harry said we could think of it as part of the included utilities. Oh, well, thank you. I don't suppose we could come in and see the place? I don't see... I suppose we could. You seem uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just... We, we just that... moved in. And we don't have any furniture. That's right, nowhere to sit. It would be rude to invite you in without anywhere to sit. So we need time to buy some furniture. Well, you're in luck. Just like I was telling you this afternoon, I sell furniture. Funny, Theo didn't mention that. Where's your store? I work for Hans's. Oh, we don't know him. Another new person to meet. Uh, Hans isn't a person. Well, I guess he is, somewhere in Sweden. It's a chain of build-at-home, flat-pack furniture stores. I'm in the design department, so I get a pretty sweet discount. That would be nice. Wouldn't it, though? Uh, we could invite them in after all. We're not vampires. You promise? Yes? Won't you come in? Wow. You've certainly got a lot of potential in this place. It's so... Spartan. You'd be the envy of any minimalist. There was a tragic fire, unfortunately. Started by a mob. A mob? The mob. But they weren't after us. It was all very sad, but we do have a few things our dad left us and a new lease on life. Isn't that right, Theo? Those are true things. <laughs> well, the good news is I can get you a bundle deal on everything you need. Couch, chairs, tables. And the rest. You can make a list for them, right? Yeah, I'll get one started on my phone. So, what brings you to the city, Theo? Uh, well, we're from the country. 
after our dad passed. Well, he wasn't really our dad. We're not related. That's true. We're... Together, but... Not like a couple. Or relations. But then there was a fire. We needed a clean start, so we just packed up and kind of picked here at random. It's near the border. Which is nice because we love to travel. Well, I think you're bound to love it here. This city is something for everyone. The nightlife is a little dead. Dead? Yeah, some of my DJ friends are trying to revive it. We wouldn't know anything about that. Hey, Ava, look at that old computer. No way. Is that a K-Pro 2? It is. Uh, our dad left it to us. Wow, it's running. He must have done some truly unholy things to bring that back from the dead. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having us. It's about closing time for Harry, so if we want to jump on the leftovers from the day, we've got to go. Aiden, do you have everything you need? Yeah, I usually have to measure around stuff. This was so nice. Ava? This machine is connected to the internet! Good! We can email. Come on, you know Harry will want to know how your raid on Orcspire Keep went. Oh, yeah! He loves climates of combat. Bye, guys. I'll give you a quote to look at tomorrow. Thanks. If you ever want to talk code, you just say the word. Okay. I'll be right there. Hurry up before he decides it's dumpster time. Okay. I'm so sorry we pushed our way in tonight. We are an interesting group to get to know. I'm just amazed you noticed so much about us. We did. There's a place for everyone in this city, and it sounds like you two really need a place to be. It was the same for me. My family didn't get me. I had to leave my husband. Finding comfort after that was hard. We'll try not to pressure you out too soon. But hey, when you're ready to have some extra complications in your life, we're right down the hall. Aww. Thank you, Lily. Good night. Well, that was a real thing that happened. It was. They were so... Normal? Normal is relative. Yeah, I think so too. The chicken man was right all along. <laughs> Have the Frankensteins actually found a place where they can live their unlives in peace? Can they let down their guard? Find out as we all take the time to meet the Frankensteins. <laughs> what a charming end to the evening, even though you had to watch me for slightly longer than normal. I think those two are going to make it after all. Now we, on the other hand, must conclude our rebels there. We've had an amazing time, and it's all thanks to you. Special thanks to all of you who are Patreon backers. With your support, we are able to hire on all of the amazing new voices who have joined us these last few months, as well as keeping the website running and the podcasting. Now, remember everyone to eat those banana bread slippers before they get moldy, and no matter what anyone says, the bread coma is sometimes worth every bite. And so, to everyone from coast to coast and all the ships at sea, good night, keep laughing, and keep dreaming.
Thank you for joining us for Starlight Radio Dreams, The Ides of Starch. Written, directed, and performed by Kat Evans, Jared McDerris, and Ansel Birch. Featuring the vocal talents of Kim Fukawa, Alex B. Reynolds, and Lisa Burton. Sleepy Pants was written and performed by Kat Evans and Dylan Shipman. The Starlight Radio Dreams theme was written and performed by Arnie Parrott. Special thanks to Shore Incorporated for their generous support. Join us next month for another show full of serious serials, shorter shorts, and a new but identical fez. Our next live stream, the lusty, musty, crusty, thrusty month of May, is coming up on Friday, May 28th. So get your tickets now at starlightradiodreams.com. Until then, keep laughing and keep dreaming. <laughs>